And the rest of you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're uh, taking some time to sit with the teaching of Jesus uh, here in Matthew 5 to 7, often called the Sermon on the Mount, and an important portion of Scripture as we hear from Jesus what it means to seek the kingdom of heaven, uh, what it means to follow him. We use the language of discipleship often in the church. And just as often fail to ask what it means. What does life look like on a day-to-day basis as followers of Jesus? And we found that Jesus speaks to some very practical concerns, very basic daily concerns. And he'll do the same as we listen to him tonight. Uh, And strap in because we're going to talk about money. Um, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, Jonathan's been here just long enough, and now we're going to hear. Um, but we're going to hear what Jesus has to say about our possessions, about money tonight. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading in verse 19, and I'll read to the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to the end of the chapter. This is the Word of God. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Father, would you help us to understand the words of Jesus? And I think a much harder task tonight is not just to understand the words of Jesus, but to own them, to receive them, to apply them to our bank accounts, uh, to our fear. We, as we sit at the feet of Jesus, are more and more aware of our need for your Holy Spirit. The work of your Holy Spirit, not only to open our eyes and ears uh, to see and hear the truth, uh, but the power of the Holy Spirit to take that truth and to transform our hearts and lives with it. We ask for that tonight. Would you help us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, There's a tendency to think about money and to think about uh, the material parts of our life. So the things that we own, the things that we possess, our bank accounts, uh, our uh, savings, our lack of savings, our debt. Uh, it is, there's a tendency to think of that as separate from God. To, to think of God as one part of our lives and then money as a different part of our lives. So we do money on Friday, this past Friday, and we do God on Sunday. Uh, We do economics throughout the week, and we do spirituality on the weekend. Jesus will not let us do that. He will not let us make that separation between economics and spirituality, between money and God. Those things are not two different parts of our lives. Jesus reveals to here in this passage that they are two different ways to live life. There are two basic approaches to life, ways of living that Jesus reveals here. And the heart of the passage, I think, is right there in verse 24. The heart of this text of what Jesus wants to teach us about money, about material possessions, about wealth is the absolute distinction between a life lived under the rule of God or a life lived under the rule of possessions. And Jesus makes it very clear that you cannot do both. You cannot do economics during the week and spirituality on the weekends. That... You cannot separate your bank account from your worship. You will either serve God or money. You will be ruled by one or the other. So the question for us is, what's the difference? What is the difference between a life ruled by God or a life ruled by possessions? 
Uh, Does that mean we shouldn't work? Does that mean we shouldn't earn an income? Does that mean we shouldn't save money? Uh, Does it mean uh, that you shouldn't, students, your parents should not be spending so much money on your education? What is the difference between a life ruled by God and a life ruled by money? Well, I think as we consider the teaching of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6, we can see two types of differences. Two types of differences between a life ruled by God and a life ruled by possessions. Uh, There's a difference in values and there's a difference in confidence. Values and confidence. So first of all, a life ruled by God rather than money uh, determines and distinguishes what we value. Jesus begins uh, his teaching uh, with the difference between investing in heaven or investing in earth. Right? He says you can lay up treasures in heaven or you can lay up treasures in earth. And this is, a, this is a relationship we've already seen in Matthew, isn't it? In fact, we've seen it again and again. Matthew, as he tells us about Jesus, is talking to us about the relationship between heaven and earth. That Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven to earth. Central message of the Gospel of Matthew. And remember that heaven represents the reign of God. It represents the agenda of God. Heaven is where God is worshipped. It is where He is obeyed. It is the center of His throne. And earth represents for us what God has made. It is His creation, but it is a creation that has rejected Him. It is a creation that has rebelled against Him. And so that now what Jesus is doing is He's trying to reconnect heaven and earth. He's trying to bring God's agenda into God's creation and to reclaim God's creation for God's purposes. And Jesus says, your possessions, your money are directly related to that. So that... Your, the, the resources that you have will be given to one or the other. They will participate in one or the other. They will either participate in the agenda of God or they will participate in the agenda of earth. And understand that, that the essence of, of what it means to, to live for the world or to live according to the agenda of the earth, as Jesus talks about it, is to live driven by self-interest. It's to live for the sake of yourself. And isn't that this what Jesus talks about in the second half of the teaching? He, he says there's a difference between living for your life, being anxious for your life, and seeking first the kingdom of God. So you will either live for the agenda of heaven or you will live for the agenda of yourself. You will live for your own self-interest or you will seek God's kingdom, His interest, His purpose for this world. Now, why does Jesus push this distinction? Why is the difference between... uh, Investing in heaven, treasures in heaven, and treasures on earth. Why is it so important? Verse 21. Because the direction of our resources 
reveals and determines what we value. How we use our possessions, our money, how we relate to those things reveals and shapes what is important to us. What we prioritize in our life. So, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so the difference between being ruled by God or ruled by possessions is whether we ultimately value what God wants or ultimately value what we want. We ultimately value God's intention for our life, our relationships, our family, our schooling, our whatever. Or we value our perception of good for those things. It's interesting, when we lived in Malawi, um, when you live cross-culturally, you, you become very aware of, uh, of how value is, is seen, how it's created by the culture around us, and, and how um, we in the West value different things of, of people in Africa or elsewhere around the world. Uh, so... We, there was a time when we were living in Malawi when uh, there was a major, major gas shortage. And the gas lines were unbelievable. Uh, 24 hours, I'm not lying, sitting with your car waiting uh, to get gas. Sometimes longer. So, what do I value as, as a lazy American? <laughs> Convenience and efficiency, right? And so... Uh, what I would do is, I'm not going to go sit in that line with my car. I have students uh, who are always looking for money, and a uh, few of them have driver's license and I can trust with my car, and so I'll pay them to sit in the line. And the students absolutely mocked us for this. <laughs> they could not grasp how we would pay money to someone to stand in a line for us. Because they had never in their lives conceived of spending money for convenience or efficiency. It simply wasn't a cultural value. And this wasn't a matter of, of who had m more money uh, than someone else. It was, it was a question of, of what do you value? What do you want? And the way you spend money reveals that and shapes that and informs that. And so I have uh, been trained and spend my life spending money on convenience and efficiency, and it made total sense to me to pay someone to stand in line for me. For the students completely out of their world, completely could not even understand why you would pay anything for something like that. So, what does your budget reveal about your values? What do your finances say about your heart? How, the way that you relate to material possessions, and it's not just money, it is the things that we own, it's our resources. The way that you relate to those things, what does it say about your priorities? about what you care most deeply about. Understand, Jesus 
here is not saying that we shouldn't work, that we shouldn't have savings, uh, that we shouldn't uh, spend money, that we shouldn't save money. He is not address. He's not saying we shouldn't do those things. He's addressing why we do those things. Why do you use your resources the way that you use them? Do you, with your money, with your possessions, cultivate a love for God and His purposes? Or do you cultivate a love for yourself, for stability, for comfort, for your own pleasure? Some of you are working very hard to get out of debt. That's a really good thing to do. It's great. There's wisdom in that. But why are you doing it? Are you doing that to cultivate a love for God and His kingdom or a love for your own financial stability? Parents will spend a lot of money this month, right? Christmas is coming. Parents, when you spend money on your children, why do you do that? Is it to pursue God's kingdom and purposes for them? Or is it For some other reason. Is it to make them love you more? Students, you're you're spending a good deal of money or your parents are spending a good deal of money on your education. Why do you do that? Why are you pursuing this very costly four, five, six, seven, how many ever years it takes you to finish? Why are you doing it? Are you studying in pursuit of God's purposes for you and for His world? Or are you pursuing an education so that you can have a stable paycheck um, to be able to buy the things that you want? Why do we spend money? And not only why do we spend money, why do we save money? Are we seeking God's kingdom or are we seeking our own? Now, I can feel the weight of that. I can feel it personally, and I can feel it for you. That is, that is a, in some ways, a devastating question, isn't it? It's an overwhelming question. And I want to remind you that in this sermon, Jesus holds out for us an ideal, and He is working in us to move us towards that. So please remember... We're not there yet. You are not going to sit down with your budget, with your bank account, uh, with how you spend your money, how you save your money, and say, oh, I'm perfectly arrived. I am now fully seeking the kingdom of God. Okay? And God is patient, and He is gracious, and He is kind, and this is the work that Jesus is doing in us, but it is a process. I'm asking you to join Jesus on that process, in that process. But how does it happen? You know, you know if, you, if you are honestly self-examining yourself with this, you know the difficulty of shifting your perspective about resources, of shifting from using resources for your own self-interest 
towards using resources to participate in the kingdom of heaven. You know the difficulty of that. How does it happen? How does that change happen? Well, I think Jesus here in the teaching shows us that a change in our values happens as a result of a change in our confidence. And so point number two, the difference between a life lived under the rule of God or a life lived under the rule of possessions is not only a difference in values, it is a difference in confidence. Jesus here has a lot to say about our eyes. Did you notice that? He talks about what we see. We have these mysterious verses in verse 22 and 23. Did you catch that as I was reading? It was, it's one of those places you read in the Bible and you're like, well, whatever that means, I'll keep moving. <laughs> right, these are strange verses and, and I don't know if I can fully explain them. But here's what I think this says to us. What Jesus is saying to us in these verses about a good eye and a bad eye. He's saying how you see the world, how you look at the world, how you look at your money, your possessions, your relationships, the world around you is going to deeply influence how you live. Okay. And then that teaching about the importance of how we see the world sets up what Jesus says in verse 26. So he begins to talk about worry. He begins to talk about anxiety, about even the most basic necessities of life. And he wants to convince us not to worry about those things. Don't worry about food and clothing. And then how does he convince us to do that? Verse 26, first word, look. See. See the world in a particular way is going to... Deal with your anxiety about money, about possessions, about having what you need. So, what does Jesus want us to see? How does He want us to see the world? Well, He begins to talk about birds and flowers, right? And He talks about how birds and flowers survive in the world. And and He connects the life of birds and flowers to the control of our God. Which is a remarkable connection, isn't it? That these small, seemingly insignificant parts of our world fit into God's design, into His governance. And so it would be tempting for us to say, okay, how do we see the world? We see the world as God in control of it. And that's a good thing, and that's true, and that's right. But Jesus says more than that, doesn't He? He doesn't just say that God controls the world. He provides for the birds and the flowers. No, He says His control of the world works for the good of those whom He loves. Those who belong to Him. Those who are, who are His children. So it is not only that God is in control of the world, but it is that His control benefits those who belong to Him. Look at a couple of verses again with me. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds 
of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then what does He say? The remarkable statement. Are you not of more value than they? And then verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I think the key word here is more. That at, as you look at God's control of His creation and the remarkable way He cares for His creation uh, such that even the most insignificant birds are cared for, that these flowers are, are garmented with, with beauty that, that exceeds one of the richest men in all of history. Jesus says that and more is yours. That God's care of you is deeper, greater, stronger. So, to live a life seeking kingdom values, we have to trust that we are valued by the King. In other words, we're not going to value what God values unless we understand how valued we are by God. And how do we know that? How do we know that we are deeply loved, cared for, valued by God? Well, from the one speaking here, right? How do we know that we are loved, valued by God? It is through Jesus. We know God's love not only by looking at birds and flowers, but we know God's love because He sent His Son to give us a life that's more than food or clothing. He sent His Son to demonstrate the depth of His care for all of His creation and especially for those who are His people who believe in Jesus. He sent His Son so that we could be called the children of God. And as His children, we are confident in His care. We are confident in His love. We are confident in what He will do for us, has done for us. You see, when money is on the throne of our life, our confidence is in our own ability, right? If money's on the throne, we've got to earn it. We've got to provide it. And what does that produce? Fear. This anxiety that Jesus talks about. If our life depends on our ability to gather enough possessions to satisfy our soul or to provide for our body, we will live in fear that we can never do enough. And Jesus wants to replace that fear 
with faith. He wants to replace that fear with a confidence in God's ability to love, to care, provide. A confidence in God's generosity. A confidence in God's love of us. And when we live in that confidence, then we are freed from self-interest. Because we no longer have to do it for ourselves, we can give ourselves to the purpose of God and His kingdom. But we struggle to do that. We struggle to give up that control, don't we? I mean, look what we've done to poor Santa Claus. The story of Santa Claus starts as a very generous man helping those who could not help themselves. But what have we done with Santa Claus? He knows if you're sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. We have taken the generosity of Santa Claus and we have turned it into wages. We've turned it into earning. We have turned it into the ability of a person to get what is good for themselves rather than trust in a transcendent generosity shown to them. This is why we live in fear. We want to stay at the center. We want to stay in control. And money gives us the illusion that we can do that. But it doesn't work. It only produces fear. It only produces anxiety. So, where do you find confidence? Where do you find the resources to get out of bed in the morning and put one foot in front of the other? Is it in what you can do for yourself? Or is it what God has done through Jesus Christ for you? This is what it means to live a life ruled by God rather than money. It is to so trust His generosity that we are able to live out His priorities. Let's pray. Father, it's our temptation when we think about what Jesus has said to feel really guilty and maybe to go out and and give some money to somebody to try to make us feel better about ourselves. But would you, would you help us to hear what Jesus is saying? Would you, by your Holy Spirit, lead us to your grace, to your generosity, to your care, to your deep love for us as our Father? And out of that, produce a desire for your kingdom. Out of that, Produce a generosity that reflects yours. Would you root us deeply in what you have done for us and not what we can do for ourselves? I do pray that you would teach us 
to lay up treasures in heaven, to use our resources for your purposes rather than our own. That is a hard thing to figure out. So would you give us wisdom and would you give us grace so that we would be people who serve God and not money. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.